today on Hardwired. Now, I want us to notice here, folks, because sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes you kneel down to prayer or you go to your favorite prayer spot and you try to pray. Your mind wanders. You wonder if anything is happening. You wonder if you're being heard. But I want you to see here how precious any prayer is that is offered in the name of Jesus Christ to God. It is stored in a bowl and it's like incense to God. You are listening to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire, the founder and senior pastor of Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Maybe you've noticed that our culture is pretty messed up these days, which makes people feel anxious and filled with questions. They want peace, but have a hard time finding it or making it last. Well, Pastor Jeff is going to share in the message today about how you can finally be filled with hope, security, and most importantly, that peace you're looking for. We know that you're going to enjoy the message, but you can also listen to it again or any of the messages anytime you would like at our website, hardwired.org. Let's get right to the message. Here's Pastor Jeff to tell us what's coming up today on Hardwired. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Hardwired. Thank you so much for joining us and making us a part of your very busy day. Well, in today's message, as we go through the book of Revelation, we're going to look at the seventh seal. We've already looked at the first six seals that Jesus himself opens up. They represent judgments that are gonna be poured upon a Christ-rejecting world going through the suffering of the great tribulation period. But the seventh seal was so important that everything in heaven came to a standstill before this seal was opened. So without any further ado, Let's jump right into the message, the seventh seal, and see why it was so important and what it means for our world that is coming. Now, when you're going through a book as involved as the book of Revelation, it helps to constantly kind of drop back and get the bigger picture so that you don't lose your your place in the book. Now, we share at the very beginning the book of Revelation, is primarily prophecy. That is foretelling of the future events to come. Let's remember now, dropping back and punting a little bit. Chapter one, we meet the glorified, resurrected, magnificent Messiah. And he comes to John and he instructs John, John, the reason I'm giving you this book is so that you will write of things that have been, things that are, and things that shall be. I want you to write down those three things. What has been, what is, and what shall be. We saw that what has been is covered in chapter one. Jesus had been resurrected. He had been crucified. He had been buried. He had been resurrected. That's what had been. But then chapters two and three, he addresses seven churches. And that is what was at the time of John's writing. So the things that have been, the things that were. But then, starting with chapter four, it's all what shall be. So it's all future, future prophecy. The Bible has never been afraid or embarrassed or uh, has ever backed off from foretelling future events. I've told you that no religious book does that, only the Bible. The Bible's the only religious book that has dared to foretell the future, except the Book of Mormon, and they missed so many times, they've had so many revisions that it's clear it was full of false prophecy. 
But aside from that, no, nah, the Quran doesn't have prophecy. No. Any of the Hindu religious books with their thousands of gods, they don't have prophecy. The Bible alone predicts the future boldly and with great specificity. Only God can do that. The God who knows the end from the beginning. Amen? Now, last time we studied the final three seals. There were seven in all. And we noted that we're gonna have to wait for chapter eight for the seventh seal to be opened. And we're hitting that tonight. We also took another trip into heaven with John who goes up to heaven. He's taken to heaven, brought back down to earth, taken back up to heaven, shown heavenly uh, events going on, brought down to earth, shown earthly events that are gonna be happening. He's just going like this. He is having a major revelation. Amen? And John was taken up into heaven last time we were together and he was shown a vast number of souls under an altar that had been martyred for the testimony of Christ. They want to know, when are you going to avenge our blood? When are you going to avenge us? And they're assured that God will avenge them soon. Because any sin that is not confessed before God and asked for the blood of Christ to cover it, that person will answer for it. I don't want to answer for my sin. I want Christ's shed blood to take the rap for me. I hate to put it that way, but that's what he did. Jesus bled and died for your sins and mine. And he rose again from the dead, the first fruit of many who are yet to come. Amen? So we also saw 144,000 anointed Jews who will basically be Jewish Billy Grahams during the Great Tribulation. We saw that there are gonna be many, many, many people saved during the tribulation period. It's gonna be terrible judgments but God's grace is always poured out no matter what. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Amen? So we're gonna see the grace of God poured out during the Great Tribulation, which lasts seven years. It's really, folks, seven years of hell on earth. But at the same time, you're gonna have 144,000 sealed Jewish evangelists preaching the gospel all over the world and we are later going to see that there is an angel sent forth shouting to the world to not receive the mark of the beast and to turn to Christ. So even in the worst of times, God's grace is shown. Thank God. Aren't you glad for our amazing grace, how sweet the sound? Saved a wretch like me. And then we saw uh, the incredible fruit of their preaching with a number of the redeemed that could not be counted. And that was in chapter 7. But now in chapter eight, we're coming to the final seventh seal. Let's read verse one. And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. How strange. Theologians for centuries have called this the great silence, all caps, the great silence. Because as soon as Jesus Christ, who's the only one who was found worthy to open the seals, as soon as he opens the seventh seal, there is this holy hush that falls over all of heaven where you could hear a pin drop on a shag carpet. Up to now, the Lamb of God has been engaged in breaking the seals of the mysterious scroll that nobody else could. Six of the seven seals have been broken, but now this one remains and he, he breaks it. He opens it. And there is this solemn expectancy that rises amongst the angelic company looking on because heaven is full of angels. 
It's full of angels. It's full of glorious heavenly beings. Angels, archangels, cherubim, seraphims, you name it. And what are they doing up there? They're worshiping. They're constantly worshiping. But everything stops when this seventh seal is opened. And John is told the time, 30 minutes. Now that's specificity. 30 minutes, I guess 30 minutes our time. A half hour, there's no sound, no worship, no movement, nothing. Heaven comes to a stop when that last seal is open. I saw the seven angels, verse two, who stand before God, and they were given seven trumpets. Then another angel, verse three, with a gold incense burner, came and stood at the altar. This other angel, I personally believe, is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. I'll tell you why. No other person in heaven could answer prayers but Christ himself. And we're about to see that the incense from the burner are the prayers of his martyred saints. And the one that opens the seal, which is Christ, is the one who also tends to these prayers. There's not another being in heaven that can answer prayers but Christ. So I believe the other angel, Angelos, simply messenger, is Christ. And in the Old Testament, furthermore, only the high priest was allowed to make an offering on the brazen and golden altars, as we see taking place here in chapter eight. And Jesus is our great high priest, okay? Now, verse three continues, quote, and a great amount of incense was given to him to mix with the prayers of God's people as an offering on the gold altar before the throne. Now, the prayers that John sees are the combined total of all the cries of all martyrs and persecuted believers that have risen to the throne room of God demanding justice. When will you avenge us? These are prayers. And I, and I want us to notice here tonight, folks, because sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes you, you kneel down to prayer or you go to your favorite prayer spot and you try to pray. Your mind wanders. You wonder if anything is happening. You wonder if you're being heard. But I want you to see here how precious any prayer is that is offered in the name of Jesus Christ to God. It is stored in a bowl. And it's like incense to God. And it says in verse four, the smoke of the incense, the fragrance of the incense, that is the prayers of God's people, ascended up to God from the altar where the angel had poured them out. Praise God. You know, when you even say, Lord Jesus, help me, it rings around in the throne room of God. It echoes in the throne room of God. Because Jesus said, hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. Ask the Father, your Father now, in my name, and it will be done. When we pray in the name of Jesus, it immediately, I like to picture it bouncing around, echoing around, sounding out like a, like a peal of thunder in God's throne room. Because it's prayed in the name of his son. Amen. Now, um, following this offering on the heavenly altar of incense and the prayers of God's people, Look what begins to happen with the opening of this seventh seal. Cataclysmic events begin to take place on earth as God's wrath is poured out. So we're about to see what the opening of this seventh seal, we saw the prelude, the 30 minutes of silence. And during that time, seven angels are given seven trumpets. And during that time, God smells the fragrance of God's people. 
of their prayers. But now the wrath is poured out. With the opening of the seventh seal, the Bible says, then the angel filled the incense burner with fire from the altar and threw it down upon the earth and thunder crashed, lightning flashed, and there was a terrible earthquake after this seventh seal is open. All the dramatic thundering, lightning, and earthquakes are the result of the seventh seal being opened. Cataclysmic events begin to fall on planet Earth. Pastor Jeff will be back in a moment, but first I wanna share a couple of thoughts with you. Now, you may not be able to stay with us for the entire program, but don't worry. You can find the program at our website, hardwired.org, along with all of the programs from Pastor Jeff. Also, we regularly get emails and calls from listeners just like you who tell us how much the program means to them. But we would love to hear from you too. So let me encourage you to connect with us by calling 877-884-3111 or through the website, hardwired.org. That's hardwired.org or call 877-884-3111. And now let's get back to Pastor Jeff with the rest of today's program. It's time now for the second phase of God's judgment. Even though this is terrible, it's only setting the stage for the seven trumpets. Now, what I've noticed is you got the seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls. 21 judgments in all are poured out upon a Christ-rejecting world. Uh, sequentially, you have the seals first, seven of them. You have the trumpets second, seven of them. You have the bowls third, seven of them. And what I have noted is that it seems to me each set of judgments is worse than the one before. So now we're going to another level of judgment. And I'm gonna to talk to you about God's judgment at the end of this message. We need to be reminded of the Bible's teaching on God's judgments, why God judges, that God is justified in his judgments, amen? So just hold that thought because what we're about to read ain't pretty. Everybody say, I'm ready. Oh, you didn't sound very convincing to me. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. John records, then the seven angels with the seven trumpets prepared to blow their mighty blasts. Now, trumpets in Bible times could signal either a time of great solemnity, like say a funeral, or a time of celebration. They use trumpets all the time in the Old Testament. That's why we got some up here now. Trumpets, they're, they're, they're a God thing, right? Okay, trumpets were also associated with war when they would commence with war trumpets would be blown. And before assembling and marching, trumpets blown. With festivals, trumpets were blown. Uh, with the introduction of royalty, here comes the king, trumpets would blow. And with the power of God, with overthrow of the ungodly, and with the coming of Christ, all of these things, even the coming of our Lord, it says the trumpet shall blow. And the dead in Christ will rise first. When? After a trumpet blows. So God seems to really like trumpets, amen? Now, we know that these seven angels that stand in the presence of God, whose responsibility it is to sound the trumpets, appear to occupy a very high and heavenly position. There's a hierarchy in heaven. There's the regular angels, there's archangels, there's cherubims, there's seraphims. There is a hierarchy, just like the devil has a hierarchy. Listen, he didn't come up with that. He, he copied God. You know, principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness in high places, and rulers of darkness, that's a hierarchy. 
but there is a hierarchy of angelic beings. And it seems to me that these that are gonna blow the trumpet are on a higher level than just normal angels. I think it's possible that even Michael and Gabriel, the archangels, are involved here. As they prepare to sound, we need to know that the world's ecology is in view. It's what is about to experience God's judgment. As we have seen so many things happen in sevens so far, we're about to see things happening in threes. So watch this. The first trumpet, here it goes, verse seven. The first angel blew his trumpet and hail and fire mixed with blood were thrown down on the earth. One third of the earth was set on fire. Can I read that again? One third of the earth was set on fire. Do we read that right? One third of the trees were burned and all the green grass was burned. You talk about global warming, forget global warming. This is the warming everybody needs to be concerned with. All right, because what is this telling us? There's gonna be firestorms of incredible magnitude at the sounding of this first trumpet. This happens during that seven year great tribulation period that Jesus said, if those days were not shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Now, this is only conjecture. I'm only, this is only a guess, but I gotta throw this out. John could be describing here a nuclear holocaust. Remember, he's a first century man describing 21st century events. And he's gonna use, remember I told you at the beginning, uh, like and as. He's seeing things and he's going, wow, how can I describe this? It was like, his eyes were like fire. His hair was white like wool. His feet were varnished like brass. Um, his voice was like many waters. He's always using similes, all right? Simile is when you use like or as, because he doesn't know how to explain what he's seeing. So he just says, well, closest thing I can come to it is it looked like this. So what he's seeing could, to me, be a nuclear holocaust. A stunning one-third of the ground and trees are burned of the whole earth and all the green grass is destroyed. This is the beginning of the end of the earth's ecology. This is the beginning of the end as we have known it. And I gotta tell you, I love God's creation. I marvel at it all the time. And this is hard for me to read because I don't like the thought of God's beautiful creation burning up. I have to keep in my mind that he only doeth wondrous things. And all of this will happen to set the stage for a new world that's coming. And so I have to keep that in mind. This is the dark before the dawn. This is the darkest dark before the brightest dawn when Christ returns and establishes his millennial kingdom. So I have to keep that in mind. And I want you to keep that in mind because this is hard stuff to read. And so we come now to the second angel and the second trumpet in verse eight. And a great mountain, he says, the second angel blew his trumpet and a great mountain of fire was thrown into the sea. One third of the water in the sea became blood. One third of all things living in the sea died. And one third of all the ships on the sea were destroyed. Look at these thirds. Third this, third that, third the other. Now God's dealing in thirds. Again, this to me sounds an awful lot like a nuclear blast. Now there's people who are called preterists. 
a preterist is somebody who believes the book of Revelation has already come to pass. Oh, it's already come to pass. And, and they believe that it happened way back when Jerusalem was destroyed in 70 AD. They even say that that was the return of Christ, 70 AD. They're called preterists. Yeah, the book of Revelation came to pass already. You're, you're reading history, not future prediction. But, but I say, really? Tell me when a third of the earth burned up. Tell me when a third of all the ships in the sea were destroyed. Tell me when every living thing in the sea died. Tell me when. Of course, they can't because it has never happened. This is futuristic. This is future. So it sounds to me like a nuclear blast. Come on, we're talking about a third of the world. Are y'all there? A third of the world. And uh, just a little information. Our oceans are filled now with submarines and ships carrying nuclear weaponry. As of 2022, I checked. This is recent. This is a fresh stat. As of 2022, the U.S. has 72 nuclear subs. 72. Russia, 45. China, 14. And England, 11. That's a grand total of 142 ocean-going nuclear-ready subs. Some of America's subs carry up to seven Tomahawk cruise missiles for a total of 154 missiles per sub. 154 missiles per submarine. A single one of those subs can strike up to 154 targets with a one-ton nuclear warhead at ranges of nearly 1,000 miles. This means they can reach Iran, they can reach North Korea, they can reach Russia, they can reach China. Now, let's just say, I'm gonna bring this home to us. I'm not trying to freak you out. I'm just gonna bring this home to us. This is what's out there. Let's say that one of these missiles struck Washington, D.C., with ground zero being directly on the dome of the Capitol building. What would it do? A one megaton nuke fired from a sub. What would it do? Within a 3.7 mile radius, blast waves would produce 180 tons of force on the walls of all two-story buildings with winds up to 158 miles an hour in three and a half mile radius, instant evaporation, instant there, one second, gone the next. No structure, no matter how reinforced with steel or the best building materials could withstand it within three and a half miles. Just a one megaton. There's 154 of them on these subs. This would take out the National Museum of Natural History and the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Boom. Such a blast is so powerful that if you were 30 miles away, 30 miles, you would feel it like a thump in your chest, like when you're watching a firework display and those big, really honking, booming fireworks blow up and you feel it. You would feel one of these from 30 miles away. The resultant radiation fallout would last for years and take a terrible toll. My personal belief is that God has kept all this in check. I believe that because these are the worst weapons ever developed by man ever. For the record, just so you'll know, a little bit of information, biggest nuke we have has the explosive power of nine megatons, which is 600 times more powerful than the bomb that hit Hiroshima, 600 times more powerful, and that bomb took out the city. 
This nuke would over time, with radiation exposure, destroy an entire country. Just one of them. The whole country would be gone. That's what's out there. And that's what I believe God the Father has in check. I believe that. I think it's amazing that this much time has gone by without nukes being launched or dropped because man has never created a weapon he's not used. I believe that God keeps it in check. We appreciate you listening today to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire. Every program we do has one main thing in mind, and that's to share the hope and good news of Jesus Christ to people who need to hear this message and hardwire the teaching into their daily life. That's what this ministry is all about. So if you've been encouraged by the message, we would love to hear about it. Pick up your phone and give us a call at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. Or go online to our website at hardwired.org. And be sure to bookmark the web address to your favorites folder so you can come back often. Also, would you consider getting on board with us as a faithful ministry partner? Your valuable contribution makes a big difference to us in helping to get the message of the gospel out through this program to people everywhere. Your generosity along with this ministry is reaching people in a way that you may never have the ability to do on your own. So jump on board as a hardwired partner by calling us at 877-884-3111 or go online to hardwired.org, 877-884-3111 or hardwired.org. From the bottom of our hearts, thank you so very, very much. Have a great rest of the day and thanks for listening to Hardwired. Hardwired.